Well, let me first say happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. We are uh, glad to have you at St. Patrick's Day. We don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day just because that we're supposed to. Uh, I really studied out the meaning of St. Patrick's Day. Many people don't know this, but what St. Patrick's Day is all about is celebrating the gospel of Jesus Christ coming to Ireland. St. Patrick was a missionary to Ireland, and the whole holiday celebrates the gospel of Jesus Christ to Ireland. So I would encourage you in honor of what it really means, don't drink green beer today wait till tomorrow because i think saint patrick would roll in his grave if we he knew what we turned this this incredible uh, powerful day into where it really is celebrating the gospel of jesus christ it really is celebrating christianity coming to ireland even uh, the irish symbol the the, the three-leaf clover the shamrock was what saint patrick used to teach people the doctrine of the trinity the father son and holy spirit that's where that symbol came from and many people don't know the history of it i'm just tired of the world taking beautiful holidays and turning it into leprechauns and green beer. I mean, that is just not what it's all about. They like to pervert every one of our beautiful holidays and let's just take them back and let's just celebrate the gospel going to Ireland, going into a nation for the first time. And it's a powerful, powerful holiday to celebrate when you understand the meeting. I want to say a huge thank you to the people of our church. We had close to 80 uh, people throughout the day yesterday who came and served this church. I got to tell you, church, you, you have some people that really love you here. They were working hard all day long yesterday. They were building a retaining wall, 80 pound bricks, 50 pound bricks. Uh, after service today, go out behind the cafe and take a look at the retaining wall and you'll see the love of the guys and the girls in this church that they really just gave. They did the spring cleaning on this campus, just made the whole place beautiful. And so let's just give all of those people a hand that served so hard yesterday. We want you to know we appreciate you. Just an awesome day. Are you tired, James? Your arm's a little sore today? He's got a, he's a father with a newborn baby out there lifting these bricks. Just an awesome, awesome day yesterday. Well, we are on week four of our series, Words, Life or Death. And our text verse for this series is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The, the basic premise of this series is the quality of our life to some degree is determined by the words that we speak, that our words literally have life and death. And I do understand in the world today, we have a, a, a name it, claim it, perverted, hyper word of faith doctrine that teaches we're trying to get God in agreement with our words. You hear people saying, well, uh, there's a red Ferrari in my driveway in the name of Jesus. There's a red Ferrari in my driveway. We're not talking about that's the perverted side with every truth in the bible satan likes to pervert that truth and twist that truth and take it a different direction so what i'm not teaching is we're not trying to get god in agreement with our words we're trying to get our words in agreement with god God has a plan for your life and Satan has a plan for your life. We want to get our words in agreement with God's plan for our life. That's how we speak life and not death. That's how we speak blessings and not curses. Uh, I read a quote from Mark Twain. He said, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. 
How many understand? How many have learned that lesson the hard way? Where there was the right word, what you should have said, and there was the almost right word, what you said, and the reaction you hoped for, and the reaction you got was the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. I mean, it was this as extreme as it could be. Our words are powerful. And today I want to talk about four amazing facts of our tongue. And we're going to be studying James chapter 3 this morning. James was the brother of Jesus Christ. He was the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus and many historians and theologians believe James to be the very first pastor of the early church in Jerusalem after the day of Pentecost when Peter preached and 3000 people were born again James became the first senior pastor of that church and he writes this book and it's really a pastoral message he writes it with a pastor's heart to address some of the issues in the church. And one of the unique things about the book of James is he deals with the tongue, deals with mouth, deals with our words, really more than any other book in the Bible. And in James chapter 3, we have the longest discourse on the tongue uh, than any book of the Bible. And so I want to begin with verse 1. We're going we're gonna to study the first 12 verses today. So I encourage you to pull out your notes from your worship guide. There's some fill-in-the-blanks. Uh, you can follow on version online if you like the version, or those of you who are are listening to the podcast right now, you can download the notes right on our website. James chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged far more strictly. And I, and I can say amen to that. It's, it's not fun being a teacher. I, I work very, very hard every week to make sure everything I say lines up with Scripture. Uh, because I take it seriously, because I know I'm going to be held accountable to a higher standard because I speak publicly for the gospel on a regular basis. And so, and I just also, I've learned in life that the closer I stick to the Bible, smarter people think I am. Uh, on my own, I'm not that smart. But if I just kind of repeat what I read and hear, people think I'm a genius. That's my secret. So just stick to the Bible and and you'll you'll sound like a genius too. Uh, Verse number two. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Uh, I have to attest to that. Uh, I make a lot of mistakes as a young pastor and a rookie pastor. And I I just want to say first, thank you for your grace on me. Uh, I'll do my best that every mistake I make, I'll learn from it. But this is true. We all make many mistakes. Then he goes on to say, for if we could control our tongues... We would be perfect. Think about that for a moment. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and can also control ourselves in every other way. James is saying if you could get your mouth under control, you could get your entire body to follow it. That's how powerful the words you speak are. Now, how many of you have ever tried to do a diet and couldn't do it successfully or tried to overcome an addiction or tried to deal with an issue of your life and you just couldn't overcome it or deal with it? James is saying, if you could get your mouth under control, you could get every area of your life under control because your mouth controls the strength of your entire being, James is saying. I mean, this is powerful stuff. So I want to look at today is four amazing facts out of this chapter. Four absolutely incredible facts out of this chapter. The first fact, number one in your notes, the tongue is disproportionately powerful. The tongue is disproportionately, I know it's a big word, but I want you to understand that the adverb in every one of these facts makes the fact powerful. The tongue, I could say, is powerful because the tongue is powerful. Life and death are in the tongue. But what makes this fact amazing is that the tongue is not just powerful, the tongue is disproportionately powerful. 
You know, an adverb modifies a, a verb or an adjective in this case. And, and, and the adjective is powerful. But what makes it so amazing is the tongue is disproportionately powerful. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. So what we see here is James gives us three illustrations of this amazing fact. The tongue is disproportionately powerful, and James gives us three illustrations of that. The first illustration is a horse's bit. A horse's bit. Now, if you look at a horse's bit, you have a horse where... You have this massive beast. I mean, the average horse weighs anywhere from 1,000 to 1,200 pounds. We have many people in our horse that board, in our church that board horses, that work with horses. Gordon in the back works with horses on a daily basis. And he'll tell you, these are, these are massive, incredible, strong animals. But what is amazing is that this small, tiny piece of metal in the mouth of this massive, powerful horse can literally direct the strength of the entire animal. That small piece of metal can direct the strength of this thousand pound animal in the same way. This little tongue in our mouth can direct the entire strength of our life. See, if you're facing a problem, a situation in life, and you need strength to overcome it, the strength that you need to overcome it will be directed by your mouth, be directed by your tongue, directed by the words you speak, will direct the strength you need to overcome any issue and problem in life. Uh, today is our 301 course right after service. And I'd encourage you, if you've never taken 301, we'd love to have you today. Uh, we're going to be doing a spiritual gifts test, a leadership test, a passion test to really help you figure out your gift, your leadership strength, your personality. But I can guarantee one thing. You can know all of your spiritual gifts. You can know all of your leadership strengths. You can know all of your, your passions. But if you can't direct your strength, you're not going to accomplish anything. If you can't get control of your tongue, your strength means absolutely nothing. James, if we go back to chapter 1, James says it like this. In verse 6, if you claim to be religious... Now, this word religious in the Greek is a good word. It's a positive word. This isn't the Pharisee type of religion. This isn't legalism. This isn't meanness. This, this word in the Greek simply means your service of God, the good things you do for God, serving God. If you claim to be serving God, but you can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion or your service is worthless. That's some strong teaching there. That if you claim to be serving God, but you can't get a hold of your tongue, that your service, the good things you do for God are absolutely worthless. And that's the picture we get with a horse. Imagine a wild horse that it has not been broken with no bit in its mouth. I mean, understand that horse really doesn't have a purpose. That horse really doesn't have any use until you get a bit in that horse's mouth. You can't use that horse for anything. The horse has no purpose in use. If it's wild, its usefulness comes from that small bit in its mouth. In the same way, your usefulness comes when you learn to control your tongue. The second illustration James gives about how the tongue is disproportionately powerful is a ship's rudder. A ship's rudder. You look at a massive cruise liner. 
a massive cruise liner, this amazing, I mean, some of these are 11, 13 stories tall. Some of the newer ships are up to 18, 20 stories tall. These massive ships are entirely controlled by a small rudder. One of the smallest pieces on the entire ship direct that ship. And in fact, if you talk to many captains, they'll tell you in the middle of a storm, if they do not face that ship the right direction in a storm, the ship will capsize and shipwreck in the same way when you face life storms. When you get news from the doctor that you didn't want to hear, when you come to work and find out your job doesn't exist anymore, when you face the storms of life, if you don't learn how to face your tongue in the right direction, face your ship in the right direction, you'll capsize. You'll shipwreck. We see it all the time. You know, we went on a cruise last uh Last fall, as a family, we went on a cruise with my wife and my son. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most fun vacations I've ever been on. No phone, no internet, just relaxing. And the greatest part about the cruise was they have these kids clubs. And we never saw our son. He wanted to hang on the kids club all the time. It was great. Young parents, you want to get away from your kid for a little while? Cruises are great places to go. And so he's in the kids club. I I showed up one day to pick him up. Now, now my son's four years old. He's four years old. So I show up. They've got this make-believe bridge in the kids club. They've got the computer they got the steering wheel and all the different controls of the ship and it's like a video it's like a virtual video game you got to drive the ship around i showed up my son's sitting in the captain's chair and he's got two eight-year-olds working for him doing all the and he's just directing him doing all the controls and i said son we got to go and he said i can't leave right now i said why he goes i just got my crew trained I mean, no, you need to pray for me with my son. (laughs) I said, we'll come back later. He goes, but I'll have to train a whole nother crew. I mean, he's four years old as these eight year olds working for him. Uh, I have no idea why I told that story. Pray for me. That's what I meant to say is pray for me. Anyways, your tongue controls the direction of your life. In life storm, if you don't get your tongue facing in the right direction, you can risk shipwreck. The third illustration James gives us is a spark can start a massive forest fire. Look look at this picture of this forest fire with me. Uh, Understand that a little bitty spark can cause mass devastation. One word out of your mouth can blow a situation way out of proportion. And you wonder, how did it get blown up so big? It's because a spark can create a forest fire. Uh, I read about one of the fires that we had here in Southern California not too long ago, October 2007, that a little boy was playing with a book of max matches. Uh, a book, just a little spark, and literally 38,000 acres and 21 homes were destroyed. Look at, look at, well, look at the devastation of a forest fire. And James is saying one word out of your mouth can create this type of devastation in somebody's life. That if you don't learn to control your mouth, you can literally devastate people uh, with your words. And 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 how many know it can take decades to restore what's been destroyed through a forest fire? Decades for that, those trees to grow back and the, the, the land to grow back and it to be the same as it was. You can literally say something with a word that can destroy somebody for decades. I mean, we deal with people today who, who, who are still overcoming issues of words that were spoken to them as children. That's how powerful this is. The second amazing fact of the tongue that James points out is the tongue is inherently evil. You know, I could say the tongue is evil, but, but really it's the adjective that makes this statement powerful. The tongue is inherently evil. You need to know that when you are born, the default setting on your tongue is destroy. 
That's the default. You got to reprogram your tongue because you come out at birth with a default setting to destroy with your mouth and you've got to reprogram it. Look at verse six and eight in James chapter three. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. See, your tongue is born this way. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison, verse 8 tells us. The tongue is inherently evil. How many understand, those of you with kids, I've got a four-year-old. We know you don't have to teach them how to say ugly things. It just comes natural. You actually have to teach your children how to say nice things. Because the tongue is set on destroy. That's the default. You've got to reprogram the tongue. And, And if you don't believe me, just think back to junior high right now. Uh, I just think back. I mean, some of you right now are reaching for a Kleenex. I mean, I mean, how many know if whatever differences you had in junior high, they were going to be commented on whatever physical differences you had, whatever attitude they were going to point them out. I I brought a picture of my junior high days to show you. Uh, I know Todd showed some childhood photos the other day. And so, you know, I got beat up with that hairdo. I mean, it just wasn't pretty at all. And I looked like a giant Q-tip, big head, skinny body. I mean, I got made fun of a lot. And it was just, I mean, uh, the tongue is inherently evil. How many understand what I'm saying? It's not nice. It's not pretty. You've got to teach your tongue. You've got to surrender your tongue to, to get it to speak good because the default is on destroy. The third amazing fact of the tongue. Let's get rid of that picture. Thank you. Gordon left me hanging there. I was like, that's a little embarrassing. That was long enough. Uh, number three, the tongue, the, the, the third amazing fact, the tongue is humanly untamable. The tongue is humanly untamable. Uh, humanly, James 3, verse 7 and 8 says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. I mean, you can tame all sorts of animals, but the tongue is humanly untamable. How many of you have ever made a vow? I'm never going to say something that dumb again. I'm just, ne- and then what do we do three weeks later? We say it all over again. Why? There's research done on this. The research, scientific research says dumb stores up. If you just stop yourself from it, just stores up and it's just going to come floating out at another time because it just stores up. What you have to understand is the tongue is humanly untamable. That's the bad news. The good news is the tongue is divinely tameable. It's humanly untamable, but it's divinely tameable. The guy who wrote the owner's manual to the tongue is the person that can fix the tongue. Why? Because he created it in the first place. God can tame your tongue. Look at Exodus chapter 4 with me in verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. And I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I just find that funny. Here's Moses, and he says, God, you know I'm not very good with words. I've never really been good with words. I, I, you know, I just say the wrong thing all the time. I'm not good with words. But now, God, that you've spoken to me, now, God, that I've had a burning bush experience, now that I've been in your presence and you've changed my life, I still can't talk. That's encouraging to me. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. But here's Moses after seeing the burning bush and being in the presence of God. He still wasn't all fixed because I'm still a work in progress. He goes on to say, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Verse 11. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. God's saying, listen, I made your mouth and I can put words in it. I made your mouth. I can get it under control. I can tame your tongue. I wrote the owner's manual. Have you ever thought about why on the day, day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very first thing the Holy Spirit got a hold of was our tongue? you ever thought about that? The very first thing the Holy Spirit got a hold of was our tongue. Uh, on the day of Pentecost. That was the first thing he began to deal with. Let me give you a truth that many Christians don't, don't really understand fully. Satan cannot hurt you. Did you hear me? The devil can't hurt you. If he could, he would have killed you by now. Why? Because his mission for your life, the devil has a plan for you that he's working on. And the plan he has for you is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his plan for you. If he could carry it out, he, you would already be dead. You'd already be dead. The devil can't hurt you. What the devil is trying to do in your life is to get you to turn against yourself with your words. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to turn against yourself with your words. If he can occupy your mouth, if he can get control of your tongue and get your tongue to turn on, that's why he wants you to be pessimistic. That's why he wants you to be negative. That's why he wants you speaking death and speaking curses because you can literally destroy yourself with your tongue. And that's his plan for your life, to get you to turn against yourself with your mouth. Let me give you the fourth amazing fact before we close. The fourth amazing fact of the tongue. And again, the adverb is what makes this so powerful. The tongue is contrastingly productive. The tongue is contrastingly productive. And it's the only thing in all of creation that has this ability. Nothing else in all of nature, in all of creation, has this ability like the tongue to be contrastingly productive. Verse 9. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Again, it's the adverb. The tongue is contrastingly powerful with the same mouth. We can speak blessings and curses. I could have said earlier that the tongue is evil because the tongue is evil, but it's inherently evil. I could have said the tongue is powerful, but the real amazing fact is the tongue is disproportionately powerful. And what's amazing about this is your tongue has the ability to contrast like nothing else in nature. An apple tree cannot bear oranges. A, a dirty mud hole can't give you fresh water. The tongue is the only thing in life that has the ability to speak both blessing and curses with the same mouth. How do we do it? We come to church on Sunday morning and we sing praises to God. God, I love you. You are mighty to save God. Then we get in our car and we tell our wife or tell our husband, I can't stand that person. They, they are such a gossip. They, they are just so, so... And, with the exact same mouth, we, we were praising God in church. And just an hour later, where we're speaking evil and negative and curses out of a human being that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for. How do we do that? I mean, James is saying, listen, this can't be. This is unnatural for believers. Don't speak blessings and then with the same mouth speak curses. Uh, 
I want to just take a moment. I want to read these 12 verses in the Message Bible. If you don't read the Message Bible from time to time, I'd encourage you. The Message Bible is a lot of fun, and it's very enjoyable. It's not a literal translation of the Bible. It's a paraphrase. So I don't read it in place of the Bible, but I read it sometimes to add life to what I'm reading, to kind of let me see Scripture in a new way. And I want to read these 12 verses to you out of the Message Bible this morning. James says, don't be in any rush to become a teacher. My friends, teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards and none of us is perfectly qualified. I love this statement. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find somebody whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person and perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. Send the whole world up, uh, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation. Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It has never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With, with tongues, we bless God our Father. And with the very same tongue, we curse the very men and women he made in his image cursings and blessings out of the same mouth my friends this can't go on a spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next does it apple trees don't bear strawberries do they raspberry bushes don't bear apples do they you're not going to dip i love this you're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear cool water are you Listen, I know this series has been tough, but we've needed this. Uh, I got an email this week. Let me, let me just share this email with you this week. I asked, I asked permission to share this email, and, and uh, he, he gave me permission to share this. And I just want to read, read you. I'm not going to share his name, but, but listen to this email. He says, I have a colleague at work that does stupid stuff all the time. I, I know that, that could be any one of you, right? Because he does not think about things. Often those things result in more work for me and my team. He did something really dumb yesterday, and he just gave an excuse that just made the dumb thing he did even dumber. I was going to privately share what he said with another colleague that is also impacted by the dumb things this guy does. Then I thought about Sunday's sermon, and I thought, would this be gossip? Then I thought, well, who cares? Then does my sharing this benefit anybody? The answer was the only benefit was that I could have a chuckle with someone about how dumb someone else is. Then I asked myself, do I want to be the person who does that? It made me think how ugly it would be to do that, so I have not done it. You know, this series has been tough. It's been challenging. I don't know how many times this last four weeks I've just wanted to cut my tongue off and deal with it once and for all because it would be a lot easier to go through life without my tongue. I mean, it just gets us into so much trouble. But there's some good news. There's some good news. The good news is, yes, the tongue is contrastingly productive. Yes, you can destroy with your tongue. You can damage with your tongue. You can devastate with your tongue. But the good news is you can also heal with your tongue. You can also speak life with your tongue. 
You can also rebuild and repair. You can renovate with your tongue. You can restore with your tongue. You can speak life with your tongue. I was thinking about somebody in my life that really, uh, and he was at first service today. And after service, he came up to me. He said, you know, it really is God because I'm a pretty pessimistic and negative person. And I said, there's one person I know who, who really has learned the art of bridling their tongue. And that's our prayer pastor, John Hovis. I've never heard him say a bad word about anybody. I mean, you go to him and you, and you try to complain about somebody and he just doesn't let you. He just, he just, you know, he just, well, you know, let's just look for the best in them. And it's just always, you just around the guy, you just feel encouraged. It's just positive speech. It's just, you know, I'm not saying he's perfect, but you know what? He's really good in this area. And, and I really hope to be like that one day where I can, you know, just, I just want to speak blessing with my mouth. I just really, you know, we, we said a few moments ago, the tongue is humanly untamable. Well, does that mean we don't have any responsibility at all? No, we do have responsibility. God can tame your tongue. So what is our responsibility to bridle the tongue? Next week, as we finish this series, I'm doing an entire message on how we bridle our tongue. What is our responsibility? God will tame the tongue, but our job is to bridle the tongue. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I'm really trying to learn the art of, of speaking life. One of the things I do with my son every night is my wife and I will lay down with my son to put him to bed. And I say, Asher, are you ready for your blessing? And he says, yes. And so I put my hand on his head and I say, God, I bless my son. I bless him. I just pray that he will understand your love in a powerful way, that he'll know he's loved. I pray that he will grow to be grateful, to be generous, and to be humble. And I just pray that over him every single night. And then he prays for me. He puts his hand on my head and says, Dad, I'm going to bless you now. And he says, Father God, I bless my dad. I just know him, and I love him, and I know him. And give him the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know why every night now he's praying for the fruit of the Spirit over my life. I don't know if he's telling me something. But he's saying, give him self-control and kindness. And he just, every night he prays the prayer. And I love it. Uh, but, but you know what I thought about? I can't control my son's future. I can't guarantee he's not going to be a prodigal and run away from God. But I can do everything in my power to minimize the odds. And the way I do that is every night I tell him, you're going to be grateful. You're going to be humble. You're going to be generous. You're blessed by God. God loves you. God has a plan for my life, plan for your life. I tell him that every single night when he goes to bed. Why? Because I want those words to seek in. Because remember we talked a couple weeks ago, words last. I want those words to last. I want him growing up believing those words over himself, hearing those words over himself, becoming those words. I can't guarantee his future, but I'm going to do everything in my power to minimize the odds. I'm going to do everything in my power to speak blessing over my son on a continual basis with my words that he will hear the words of his father speak blessing over him every single night. And I'd encourage you, dads, if you have a kid start today, it doesn't matter how old they are. Your kid could be 30 and out of the house. Call him every day and say, son, I just want you to hear from your father's lips. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Let them hear that. Let them know that they are blessed by their dad. There's incredible power that comes when you know you're blessed by the father. Power that comes. Would you close your eyes with me and just bow your heads as we end the service today? Some of you need to take the very first step of really dealing with your mouth, and that's giving your life to Jesus Christ. We said the tongue is humanly untamable, but the tongue is divinely tameable. For that to take place, you have to have a relationship with God. You have to know the Father.
And what you need to know about God today is God doesn't want to be your religion. He wants to be your dad. He wants to be your dad. And so right now, I want to ask those of you that are with us today that have never made a decision to have a relationship with God. You've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to God. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment to do that. And then there's some of you who are just estranged from God today. You're disconnected. At one point in your life, you really were a part of God's family, but today you're just out of the house. You're away from God. I don't know what happened. Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe you ran into a hypocrite in the church. Maybe you just fell into sin. But for whatever reason, you're disconnected from God today. I want you to hear this loud and clear. God, to you, speaking, come home. Right now, God is saying to you, I love you and I want you to come home. I want you to come home. There's nothing you've done that's beyond my love for you. So if you're in either one of those situations, I'd like to say a prayer for you today. And I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward or or embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you. So if that's you today, if you would like to join me in that prayer with every eye closed, would you just raise your hand and say, I'd like to join you today. Just raise your hand really quick so that I can see it and I can say a prayer for you right now. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Anyone else need to raise their hand today and say, I'd like to join you in that prayer. The prayer is simple. I just want you to repeat the prayer to yourself. God can hear your thoughts. Just say, God, I surrender my life to you. I want you to be first in my life. Just say that to God in your own words this morning. The second part of that prayer is just say, God, forgive me. Every one of us have made mistakes. Every one of us needs his forgiveness. So just say, God, forgive me. And then the last part of that prayer is just say thank you. Would you just say thank you to God? Now, if you said that prayer, you can look up for just a moment. On our connection card inside of your worship guide, there's two boxes. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ. The other says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you made either one of those decisions today, I'd encourage you to check one of those boxes. You can drop it off in our tithe and offering boxes as you leave today. Uh, We want to get you the tools and connect with you and really help you walk out the decision you made. We also have these books outside at our information center. They say, now what? This book is a great starter course. It's really short, but it'll give you the starting steps you need of walking out the decision you made. And we also have Bibles out there free of charge. I can't encourage you enough. If you don't have a Bible, let us give you a Bible as a gift. We want to bless you. We want the word of God in your life. This will change your life. There's bookmarks out there with our church reading plan. If, if, if you're not reading with us, we invite you to join us today. Just, just go look up the date. Join us today. Read the Bible with us. It'll change your life. We read chapters every day as a church family. You know, I usually read one of the chapters in the morning, run around lunchtime, read a couple in the evening. And all day long, I'm just and we're all reading the same chapters together. And it does something special in our church that... We, when everyone's on the same reading plan. So I encourage you to pick up a Bible. I see Brother Jean-Baptiste from Rwanda today. John, run up here real quick. Tim, can you give me a mic? I want him to close today. 
This man is leading an unbelievable work of God in the country of Rwanda amongst youth and teenagers. And I know I'm, I'm going to take a couple extra minutes than I normally do. I did not know you would be here today. Uh, he is a dear friend that is here with us a lot. And I'm actually having coffee with you this week. I just didn't know you were going to be at church. And I saw you out there and I thought it would be a shame if we didn't have you come up and greet people and just share a little quickly what God is doing. So can, will everyone give me five minutes to hear from Rwanda just really quickly? Wow. And then pray and then pray for our church. I will. You are so gracious, you know. Um, it's so surprising for me to come to the western part of the world and the bit of the service. The pastor is so humble to give me time like this. I thank God for coming back. Last time I was here and I could see the heart of the church to reach out to the other people, you know, who are not yet in the flock and the, the you know, and the family of, of, of the church. I could see that I thank God for you people. I thank God for your prayers. I went back home and uh, I've been going through lots of uh, difficult situations because my wife had breast cancer in 2009 and we thought it was gone. But in December we found out that it had come back and uh, very difficult situation. But I appreciate those who have been praying for us. They are always... Uh, um, the Cliffords and many other people around here, they have been praying for us and we thank God for that. We are in the tiny nation of Rwanda where we do ministry to thousands of teenagers. But briefly to give you um, an outlook of what's going on there. 19 years ago, we lost 1 million people because young people under the influence of evil politicians, they destroyed the nation. It's so tiny, it's more than Maryland. But in three months, we lost one million people. But as Youth for Christ, we try to reach out to the millions of young people in Rwanda. We see them every day coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given permission to reach kids in schools, public schools, private schools. And in fact, we have even been in Muslim schools sharing the love of Christ. And we have seen many kids come back to Christ. As Youth for Christ, we... We also started building schools because we noticed that in our country, the level of education is so poor, particularly in public schools, and teachers only do what I would call babysit the kids. So we started schools and we brought in kids so that they can learn. You know, they would learn sciences, mathematics, languages. But above all, the most important thing for me is to see so many kids who come to our schools and they learn about Jesus Christ. So there has been a lot of changes in the country. Um, we see the love of God, it's so stable in the country. But we face challenges because for many kids to be able to come to a school, some of them are sponsored. We found ourselves that we do not have enough room for more kids who are coming to our schools. I wouldn't have made this trip to the United States. But one thing became so obvious for us. Yes, I had some health issues to attend to. But to build more classrooms for the kids. To build the dormitories for those who come to our training center. That became so imperative for me to travel. And I've been meeting with friends here. Again, I thank you as a church. Because your heart for the mission is so evident. Your heart for the Lord is so clear for everybody to see. I want to encourage you. Continue to be passionate for the Lord. He saved my life. I grew up in a Muslim family. We had idol worship 
we had lots of witchcraft going on but he touched my life and changed my life and each day I've seen what he does in my life even when we go through the difficult situation of cancer in the family I've seen the hand of God and I want to encourage you please I don't know whatever you are going through be committed to him he's my savior he's my hope and I believe his hope for my nation is the hope for your nation but particularly for your personal life so you are welcome to join me in Rwanda I'm waiting for you soon we'll do a mission trip soon God bless you well be, before you leave um, is, is Richard is he going to be at anything this week that we can invite people to come and hear his story Barb is Barb here to let us know Uh, Wednesday night, I'm trying to think. Uh, where's Denise at? Denise is with the, the. We'll figure it out. We'll email everyone. Check the Coastline newsletter this week. We're going to set up a time this week for, for uh, Jean Baptiste to come in and share his story and testimony of what God's done. Before. I just want Jean Baptiste to pray a prayer of blessing over our church in closing. Heavenly Father, this is. Uh time for us when we are reminded more than ever before or any other time of the year the wonderful gift that you gave the wonderful sacrifice that you made for us to be redeemed you gave Jesus Christ as an expression of your love for us and I thank you God for this church as we come together just remember what you did you created us and when we run away from you God you had the plan to save us you gave Jesus Christ I pray for this church throughout this week and even the days to come as we remember our Lord and Savior that you continue to bless them oh God that every single day each one of them they discover the amazing love of Jesus Christ who died for us but you are not in the tomb you raised from the dead you are alive in our lives and I pray, God, that your life continue to abound in the lives of people in this church, that it will be reflected in their neighbors, in their friends, that together we continue to see your kingdom grow in this city of San Diego, that many people will discover that, yes, Jesus is alive, and Jesus loves them. So I pray for the pastor. I pray for the people here, God. Bless them. Be with them. May they continue to be the witnesses of your love for this world that is so in need, that is so desperately searching. May the kids in this city discover the love of Christ through the witness of your sons and daughters who are meeting this church. So we thank you, God. We love you. You're a wonderful God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. I mean, the Lord bless you. May the Lord be with you.